This is Work on the Beat. It is Wednesday, May 12, 2021. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Got a good show again on tap this week. Yes, we will. As John Kincaid, uh, the host of the John Kincaid Show, uh, mornings on 97.5, will join us. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about everything going on with the Sixers and the Phillies. We'll talk about John's own personal story returning to the area after 20 years in Atlanta. Uh, he was also part of the Thrashers, uh, the the long forgotten uh, Atlanta Thrashers play by play team. Uh, so he was uh, he's been on ESPN Radio. He's been on CBS Sports Radio. Done a show and a podcast with Shaq. So he's done a little bit of it all. And uh, so we'll talk to John a little bit about that. We'll talk about the news of the day in Philadelphia radio, which is Spike Eskin, um, who we send our congratulations to. Spike has been, um, uh, uh, we've run in the same circles and we've talked a lot over the years. Spike is heading off to WFAM to take over for the legendary Mark Chernoff as the program director at FAM. So congratulations to Spike as he moves forward. Mr. Kern will join me on the interview with Mr. Kincaid. Uh, I'll also float a theory by both gentlemen uh, about the Flyers, and and I'm fascinated because it ties into the media business. John, by the way, we should point out was um, was the host uh, one of the co-hosts of the Buck and Kincaid show down in Atlanta that was there from 2000 to about 2000, uh, I guess last year, and then he uh, he was part of the layoffs down there, and that's why he's back up here about life in the South and getting readjusted to coming back here, but also just the state of the business at this point. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, thank you for your feedback last week on the uh, show we did with Pat Croce. It was fascinating. Uh, Pat was a great interview. A lot of you, judging by the amount of plays we got, were interested. Uh, we loved the feedback we got. And uh, thanks again to Pat for doing it. And we will talk to him, I'm sure, down the road as we talk about different stuff. Tonight is an NFL schedule release night. Uh, although pretty much the schedule has been leaked out. Uh, you know, and, I, and I've been joking on Twitter. There's only one trip that anybody cares about. That's the Vegas trip, uh, October 24th, by the way, if you need to know, according to our buddy Jeff McLean. So the rest of the schedule is just names and Lots of losses, to be bluntly honest, uh, for this group going forward. Uh, so we're not going to touch on that, but except maybe in a joking manner. Uh, but that is the main story of the day, so we have to bring it up at some point here. So um, the Sixers, by the time we meet next week, we'll, be, we'll know who their first-round opponent probably will be or who it could be uh, with the playing tournament going on um they're going to be the one seed unless they lose the miami and two home games to orlando uh they will be the number one seed we'll also talk about in this show um the light at the end of the tunnel and, and, and you know we've talked obviously the main thrust of this podcast is sports but a lot of what's been brought up over the last 14 months has been related to COVID, and um going to be interesting to ask john about this as well well if you think about it the south has always has opened up a lot more than what obviously has gone on around here and um but today uh, the announcement yesterday from jim kenny 
that basically all all requirements except for the mask mandate are June 11th gone. You're going to have full houses for Phillies and Sixer playoff games. Uh, full houses for the Eagles. Um, it, it, it's kind of interesting, and it makes it feel like for the first time that um, everything is kind of back to normal. Uh, we've had sports. It's been different, but this makes it feel like we're back to normal. The question is, will people go back? And that's what's going to be fascinating to see going forward. Uh, so when we come back, John Kincaid from 97.5, the host of the morning show there, and the John, well, the John Kincaid show, will join us to talk about just about everything. The Pride of Temple and Cardo O'Hara will join us right after these messages. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Well, one of the biggest voices in the South for years uh, started as a guy from Delco, as everything in this show seems the last couple of weeks to be. We had Croce on last week, and we identified him as a guy from Delco. But John Kincaid went from Broomall and Carnell O'Hara and Temple and then ended up 20-plus years down in Atlanta, was the host of the highly successful Buck and Kincaid show down in Atlanta. Ended up doing work for ESPN Radio, ended up doing work for CBS Sports Radio, and now finds himself hosting uh, the morning show, the John Kincaid Show, on uh, 97.5 The Fanatic here uh, with our buddy Bob Cooney and with Jamie Lynch and Pat Egan. Uh, It is an honor to have this man on, two-time cancer survivor, we should also point out. Uh, It is John Kincaid. John, how are you? I am glad to be with you guys today, and I have long admired both your work. Uh, You guys were... Every one of the local media members here that I respect and admire were you guys were like lifelines to my favorite teams as I was down south doing my job, but always never losing my love and passion for my home team. So it was great. One, how much do we owe you for that testimonial? And two, well, it's, I, you, you believe me, believe me, you guys are going to get tired of all the opinions I have while I'm here in town. You may get, you may get very tired and say, can we send him back? But there is no return. They didn't give me a return ticket. Delta was ready when I was. So it's, it's done. Well, and that, and that's good. I want to ask you about the transition back because you had lived in a area for so long. And I mean, you were in green there. You were part of the Thrashers yes. broadcast team. You, you know, you've mentioned on your show about how college football is a way of life down there. Up here, it's kind of a afterthought in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, what's it been like? Is it a little bit of culture shock, even though you're from here and you know you still maintain strong roots here? But it has to be a bit of a culture shock coming back, doesn't it? I got to tell you, 25 years. I mean, 25 years of my life in the South. 25 years, you know, finding a wife, becoming a dad. Um, you know, all the business uh, success that I had there. And there was always, though, an idea that this was going to be the end game. It was a matter of I didn't know when it was going to happen, 
but that this was always going to be the end game, that I was going to come back to Philadelphia. I have family everywhere. Uh, we would come back uh, t- minimum three times a year. My mom was alive till last October uh, when she passed at 91. And so we were always back to see my mom, see my family. And it was always the decision that we were going to make that we were coming back here. At some point, we were going to come back. But the show was a success and life was going good. And I had my network show. And then Shaq and I started our podcast five and a half years ago. And it just, uh, th- business was good. And they tell you when the money tree is blooming, you, pr- you prune it. Uh, and you, you know, you toil the soil, you, you take care of the soil. Kevin, what's a money tree? Exactly. <laughs> Not in newspapers. I can tell you that. Well, well I can tell you is that, it was something where uh, opportunities came up. There, I had there were two opportunities where I thought I was coming back to Philadelphia long ago. Uh, two different opportunities, and it just didn't come together. And I'm so I'm so glad that finally it's happened, and it's exciting to be here. And I'm so glad to be so glad to be back home. It, it, it's fun. It's like a it's like a career shot in the arm of just doing something different. And doing something back on the streets that I grew up on and with the teams that I loved. So it's pretty amazing. Mike, how, how was the uh, groundbreaking on your house go? Wasn't that just recently? Yeah, it was like- the ground, groundbreaking was Monday. And uh, it was very interesting because I could barely operate a screwdriver or a hammer. <laughs> so anything where I'm having to be advised of anything that's going on is, is, a, is a, uh, a, a real excitement for me. But really, it's, it's just to... It's created a project, Mike, that, that allows my wife and I, where we're being apart till my daughter graduates high school. We're not taking her out of her high school. So until she graduates high school, and that's going to be another year from now. In wow. fact, we're, 50, we're 53 weeks till high school graduation. Uh, that, that this is a great project for our family, uh, building the homestead back home and, and getting going to uh, oversee that project. Now, she's worried as hell that I'm going to screw up this thing. So uh, I'm calling in friends of mine who are in the construction industry to sort of help me oversee it, to do inspections and things like that, because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just being honest with you. I know how to write checks. You shall, and, I don't yeah. even, and I don't even write checks anymore. I just, I just send money. I just That's wire a good money. thing, though. It's, 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 it's wives, just... wives, like, wives like that. They do. Well, look, is she's, we, we're building the house that we want to build. I said it's the last thing we're ever going to do as far as I want to ever build a house and we're building like a, a large ranch house with a basement. And my wife has given me full range of that full finished basement. My man cave, I can do whatever I, I can do whatever I want with it, but I am not to open my lips about what she wants to do on the main level of the house. And I took that deal and ran with it. So she's going to win eventually, but that's okay. Oh, no question. No question. She's much smarter. Definitely. They give you a call. And they say, we want you to come back to Philly and, and you're going to be trying to take on, you know, the guy in the morning that's owned the morning for a long time. Yes. What was your, like, original thoughts? Like, hey, yeah, that, you know, yeah, let's, that sounds, you know, I'm, I'm going to wake up at three in the morning or whatever I'm going to get up. But what was that? That seems to me like one of the things in Philadelphia that would be a hard undertaking for a radio guy. Well, are you talking about taking on a guy like Angelo Cataldi? Yeah. who is not only a legend in this city, but a legend in the business for what mm-hmm. he created, the business model he created, the success that he sustained, uh, and, and a guy that I've known since I was an intern. Uh, it was not the plan 
Let's just put it that way. I can't let you in on everything, but there was a lot of discussions and there were a lot of opportunities to potentially do different jobs. And I, in fact, took Angelo's counsel through the entire process as I was talking to different entities, as I always have over the years. He's always been a sounding board for me in my career, in negotiations and things like that. And when I started to talk about opportunities and the potential came up, he told me, what are you, stupid? You absolutely take that opportunity. If they offer you an opportunity like that, and he knew some of the people involved, and he said, you got a chance to do something with, and, and they're going to roll out the red carpet for you and, and give you a great opportunity like this. He says, you don't take me into consideration and okay. our relationship. You, you go out there and you do what's best for your family. My daughter, Olivia, is 17. She calls Angelo Uncle Angelo. Right. <laughs> I mean, is, um, we, you know, I could not have any deeper respect, admiration, and just thankfulness for what he has meant to me in my career. So that's why you haven't had any of the typical bull crap that others have pulled over the years with radio wars right, right. and all that kind of stuff. But you know at the same time, it? though, John, at the same time, yeah. you're trying to beat him. I mean, oh, no question. Believe yeah. And, 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 and from, the day, from the day that we decided that this was going to be the move, the first call I made was D'Angelo Cataldi and told him, okay, I'm taking that position. And he said, as the elder statesman in our relationship, I will set the terms. He said, <laughs> and I said, I said, yes, sir. And he said, look, I'm going to try to beat you. You're going to try to beat me. And, but we're going to do it the right way. Good. He said, we've, we've never had a bad word to say about each other, and that's going to continue. And we're not going to get into the typical, typical radio bullcrap that many others in this market who are here and who have left have tried to pull over the years to either get publicity or create some sort of faux rivalries. Man. Look, I'm trying to create an audience. Angelo has an audience. I'm coming for his. He knows it. He's, he's building up his walls. And there couldn't be anybody I would be more honored to go up and be able to compete against. And I'm damn proud about what we're doing. And I will always be proud of my relationship with him. Well, who was the guy they brought in from Houston a few years ago that, that, that was just a total disaster because he tried well, to do that? Josh. You know, you said Josh Ennis. Yeah. But yeah. I got to tell you this. Josh, Josh was far from disaster. No, he I actually mean, won the he won the midday slot from Missinelli. Yeah, I didn't mean it that way. I just meant from my. Oh, well, yeah, this got ugly. I thought. Well, here's the thing: is that there is a, Josh is an incredibly talented guy. He's yes, somebody he is. that I he's, sure. he's somebody I think is really talented in our medium. But I said it to him then. I'll say it to him now. They were doing crap that was being pulled back when Howard Stern and John DeBello yeah. were going at yeah. it. Yeah. You're right. It's 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 the 2010s at that time. Yeah. It's not the 1990s. It's not the 1980s. That stuff is so tired. It's so tired. It's so played out. I don't care if anybody thinks that I like another host on a station or if I don't like a host on the other station. You know, what my job is my job is to make them like our show, make yep. them spend more time with our show. And I don't think listeners really give a damn. I, I don't think they want I all agree. that because yeah. it was completely contrived completely staged it was nonsense and and i think it's such like so it, it's such bs and i don't get involved in that i never have in my career it has served me very well so that's the reason i don't do it john you never hear you never hear our show ever mention the opposition we don't mention we don't we don't 
we're not picking on anybody. We're not calling them out by name because I too, I have so much respect for so many of the guys that work in this market. I've known them for years. I don't want that. What I want to do is be king of the hill and yeah. I want to find a way to get there and I'm going to do every damn thing that I can to get there. I John, can promise you. John, which leads me to this type of question. Obviously, Angelo's talked about, Angelo's 70 years old and Angelo at some point here is going to retire at some sure. point, we assume. And I know... He may not admit it, but when Farzetta left for 97.5, the belief was hang in there till Angelo retires, and then that's when the market can really open up for another morning show. And you want to position yourself to be in that spot to be that show. At least that was the common sure. the, the common theme. Is there any of that in your thinking at this point of, you know, Angelo, we're going to probably go up against Angelo a couple of years here. But then after that, we could create a market and become the dominant one in that because that's an area well, where that's an area where it's a very fixed and people have very specific habits always in the morning, well, perhaps more than I mean, any other time. You're talking about a market here with a a Preston and Steve who yeah. do record numbers for morning drive for the entire country. country right. They're they're like one of the most successful shows in the entire country. Then you got a guy like Angelo. This is like going into, you know, they're you know, they they send you in with a pea shooter to a knife fight. <laughs> I mean, this is this is hard. But 97.5 said, look, um, we believe in you. We believe you're going to build something. And I don't talk about ratings publicly. Like, I don't beat my chest when they're great. Right. I don't try to pump myself up. I let other people speak on that kind of stuff. But we're, we're very, very proud of how we debuted. We're very, very proud about where we're heading. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I like the fact that the younger listeners of Philadelphia are clearly finding our show. Okay. The younger demographic sports fans in this town are clearly finding our show. And one of the things that I always have tried to do, it's not something new, it's just new for this market, is I try to do a show that's less angry. Right. I try to do a show that's, uh, that, that, that does wander off sports, but always gets back in the lane of sports. Favorite ice cream? I almost yes. called in. <laughs> I try to do a show that we, 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 have, we avoid politics like the plague. We do not get involved in that kind of garbage. I am not a sports talk show host who believes that I need to tell everybody about every social justice issue and every political issue and how I feel on it and how they should vote and how they should feel about it. And I think that's I don't think that's why anybody is coming to the store. And I think it also serves to be a polarizing subject matter. We don't want to be a polarizing show. We want to be a fun show. We want to be the dumb show you drive to work with. You have fun. You listen. You engage. Some days you're a little, you, you get involved. You get a little bit heated with us. Some days you laugh with us. But you always want to come back. You want it to be a friendly spot. And also, too, we do a different show because we don't, we don't run through. We, we're, not recall, we're not counting on 40 or 50 phone callers. I was just going to say that. Our, to be our content. Yep. You, 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 take, uh, and, and, you take maybe two calls an hour. We take, oh, if it's two calls an hour, I think for the week, over, over a week, we average around two calls an hour. Right. And the thing is, though, what I tend to believe is I tell people, we take good calls. Right. And we also do not turn the show over to callers. We do not say, well, let, let, what, what do you want to talk about today? Call us up. We're, we're clearly having a conversation, and we always tell people, you are welcome to join in the conversation that we are having. And if you want to join in our conversation, and we always have a rule, and Connor does a great job on our show of screening the callers, dissenters always go to the front of the line. Okay. If you are a dissenter, you are going to go to the front of the line. 
If you can get, you can, you can say, Hey, I want to get on. I have a differing point of view. I love it when we get differing points of view on. I think that's always the best. You, you mentioned about a non-politics show. Um, I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. You, you know, there's somebody on your, on your station that runs us, uh, that runs different. I'm not saying well, wrong, but it's different. I mean, they right. tend to delve everybody into that. Everybody does. Point. Everybody in the business chooses to do a show the way that they think is most successful for them. And I've got to tell you, there are a lot of people in this market who are incredibly successful doing it their way. Right. I don't believe that's the way I want to do it. It doesn't play to my strengths. Okay. Because I, I, I just, I did, first of all, I don't think I'm, I don't believe myself to be in a position to tell anybody else how they should vote, how they should think about a social issue, how they think I can offer my opinion, but I certainly don't want to pontificate and tell people this is the way you should think. And if you don't think the way I think you're wrong, because what I'm trying to do is like right now in the state of Pennsylvania, I'm coming in, I'm coming back home after 25 years in the middle of a 50, pandemic. <laughs> right. And exactly 50% of the state voted one way. 50% of the state voted another way. So if I'm going to do a show on politics, do I want to alienate that 50% or the other 50%? I don't give a flip about that. Right. I'll let some other talk show host deal on that subject matter. I want to build, I always say it on the air, we're looking to build a bigger tent. I want a bigger tent. I want 97.5 always having to say, we need a bigger tent. We need, we need more space okay. because we're bringing in people and we're welcoming. Because honestly, at the end of the day, Let's all lay down our, our political, social, everything swords and unite around the things we agree on. And the things we agree on is the Eagles can infuriate us, but we love them like a family member. We, 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 we want to believe the Phillies can do something this summer. I choose to be, find the ways that people can unite. And that's what, that's just how I believe to do it. But guess what? There's a lot of guys in the market that choose to do it differently in different ways and they found their own level of success, so I'm not questioning them. I'm just telling you how I want to do it. Mike? John, as somebody who spent a lot of time in the South, and I realize the South is a different – you know, I go to the oh, yes. Beach all the time. What is the biggest difference between the way they treat sports in a town like Atlanta, which has all the major – you know, most, sure. most of the major sports, and college football, like you said, is you – as opposed to a place like Philadelphia on the I-95 corridor, you know, with Boston. What, what is the, because maybe we can't see it from where we are, but what do you see is the biggest difference between how the people look upon sports? Well, I always hear from people, well, boy, Atlanta, that's a terrible sports town. And I say, really? I'd love to have you fly down some Friday afternoon. And from where I lived in Atlanta, I'll take you 60 miles, I'll take you 50 miles up to University of Georgia on a Saturday afternoon and we'll have 105,000 people up there at Sanford right. stadium. I'll take you for an hour and a half drive and we'll go to Clemson. I'll take you for a two hour drive and we'll go over to Alabama. I'll take you for an hour and a half drive and we'll go to Auburn. I'll and I'm a college for, football guy. So I mean, I wish I was in that environment. And people don't realize that yeah. the great passion is, you know, I was, I was a bait. I was, I was a baby when Atlanta got awarded its first professional sports franchise. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so people don't realize it's not the same. Their passions yeah. are college sports were their pro sports. So for their grandfather and for many of their dads, if my dad had been born in Atlanta, their pro sports was college sports. So right. it's just different. But I can tell you this is when I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, January 1st of 95, 
I know Penn State was playing in a bowl game that day on uh, on Rose New Year's bowl. Day. It's the Rose Bowl. And on New Year's yeah, Day, ninety-five. Yeah. And I drove and I and I came to Atlanta, moved, rolled into Atlanta. There's a population clock on Peachtree Street. It said 2.7 million people. I took a picture of it that day. And when I was leaving the day after Christmas this year to come back to Philadelphia for good, to move into my apartment, and my wife and daughter were coming with me, my wife said, you have a stop. You got to take, go take a picture. And you got to go take a picture at the population clock. And I took it. And that same population clock reads 6.8 million wow. people. So in 25 years, 4.1 million people wow. made that home. So it's a completely different place. Yeah. That wasn't the Southerners just having a, you know, a lot, a lot of sex. Right. That was the, <laughs> the people finding out it's a great place to live and moving there, but they all bring their own loyalties. So they right. all bring their Eagle fandom, their Bears fandom, their right. Giants fandom. Their, you know, and so it's a melting pot. Whereas when I come home, it's so comforting to have everybody's pretty much on the same page. Right. Everybody right. loves the same teams. And you feel the same. My mom, till she was 91, God bless her, the day, the day before she died, she had on her Chase Utley Phillies t-shirt at 91. And so, I mean, there's something about it that's more generational here. Yeah. But the passion for college football mm -hmm. down there for whatever school you follow is every SEC football as a whole is every bit as passionate as people's passion here for something like the Eagles. Yeah. John Kincaid joining us. Let me run into some of the stuff with the individual teams. I actually want to start with the Flyers because I know you're a big hockey guy. Again, you were you were were you intermissions with the Thrashers? I, I, I did. Uh, I did. I did. I, I worked for the Thrashers three different times in their 11 year history. Uh, I did. Pre, post, and between periods on radio and TV pregame their first year. Right. Uh, then I then I left that job and went to a new job, and I was replaced by a girl you may know named Erin Andrews. How yeah. about that? Yeah, she, went, Andrews. she, went, she was okay. They you couldn't beat find... out Erin Andrews? No, she replaced me. Yeah, she's after I left the job. After I left the job. So I would say is that <laughs> she owes me a lot. But then, uh, then I went back later, and I did more, and I did. But uh, I was on the microphone on the TV broadcasts, uh, radio, pregame, postgame, between periods, between the benches, and then I came back for a third stint, and did it all again. So I kept quitting and coming back, quitting and coming back. But I did. I served six years with the Thrashers of their eleven years. That, that's... I had a great time with it. And yesterday was the thirty-third anniversary of Bobby Clark firing me. Uh, from the Philadelphia Flyers when he fired Mike Keenan. So uh, it always is a special day, May 11th, 1988. Not that I hold a grudge or anything. All right, so I, look, but I, I heard you talk about how unwatchable they were at the end of the year, and they were. Trust me, I ended up being Oh, it was there. totally unwatchable. But then you hear Dave Scott yesterday say, we're in a good place. Yeah. Like, trust no. me. No, I mean, you're not. No, they're not in a good place. You're not. They're in a terrible place. And there's so many questions about the organization. One, the head coach, who I thought lost the team a little bit this year. The GM, who didn't make enough moves. But I think the bigger story, and I think the bigger story of the summer, this is my own opinion, not reporting, is where's Comcast with this at this point? Because you see them getting out of the hockey business with, with the NHL on their TV partner with NBC uh, Sports Network get going under. Right. Their regional sports networks are in trouble. Like to me, this sounds like this smells like a team that's ready for a sale. 
I think it does too. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happened at all. One thing I'll tell you is this. It, with a lot of really, really strong contacts all across the NHL, uh, I was trying to get to know Elaine Vigneault and trying to do more research as I was coming back to town. And one of the things I was told about AV is AV without practice time is a very like middle-of-the-road average coach. But I was told he is a top-notch practice coach. Okay. That if Elaine Vigneault, where he makes his bones, as is as a teacher, it's not as an in-game strategist, it's teaching. So I'm willing to give him you know, the benefit of the doubt. He gets the breakfast ball on the fact that he didn't have a training camp, a real training camp. Mm -hmm. He wasn't able to have practice time throughout this crazy season that they set up. Uh, they were put in a terrible division because it was a really brutal division to try to make the playoffs. And I mean, I think there were 11 teams with a worse record than the Flyers. Yeah. And the Flyers seemed so terrible, but, you know, really they were more middle of the pack. They would, so I think they would have been third or I think they would have been third in the Canadian division. What I'm shocked is, is that, is that the, the, I'm, I'm shocked at the fan base because I'm highly critical of what I saw at Carter Hart this year. I think it was, I think that it was absolutely, I mean, an 877 save percentage is horrendous. It's yeah. flat out horrendous. And when I hear people say, well, he had garbage in front of him as a team, that is completely ridiculous. This was a middle of the pack NHL team. This wasn't a top three pick NHL team in the draft. Right. This was a middle of the pack team. Carter Hart lost it. And everything that I'd been preached to was, boy, this kid's the most mentally tough athlete you've ever seen. His parents, they had him coached up from when he was 10 years old and all this stuff. Well, he was as fragile as a China doll this year mentally. And it showed. And unless that fixes itself, this franchise is in huge trouble, but I believe that it can. And I believe Elaine Vigneault can get this car back on the road. I really do. I don't know much about Fletcher. I'm trying to do my reconnaissance, but I'll tell you, my patience will be thin. I love hockey. I, I, I've lived in it. I've worked for teams. I've worked back in the day for a coaching staff. I, I've seen it. I've seen the, a coaching staff prepare game plans, right. scouted with, you know, with EJ McGuire and, and Paul Hungren and Mike Keenan and, and, and saw a lot of it. So it's a sport that I love. The Flyers are going to have my eyes on. My eyes do, are on the Flyers. Do you think that this ownership group, how, I mean, you you were around it with, with Ed Snyder, who was the, you know. Sure. But this gold ownership standard. group. Right. He was a gold standard in his day. But this ownership group now is corporate, faceless. Yeah. And if they're only in it for a profit, then that, that building and that team and that regional sports network are all going to be gone soon. At, well, the, the, I, I, I'm going to be as respectful as possible. The regional sports network, I honestly, sometimes I, ex I expect to see Wayne and Garth <laughs> sitting on a couch <laughs> with some of the programming right now. They're, they're doing it on a bare bones budget. Yeah. And I'm saying that as respectfully as possible. They're not doing, this is the fourth major market in the country. This is not some podunk town. This is a major market. And I know what Comcast Sportsnet used to be. It was must-see TV. When I would roll into town, I'm right. watching Daily News Live. I'm watching uh, Rise, the, the, right. the Rise show in the morning with, with uh, Ron with Burke. Burke. Yeah. Ron I'm Burke. Watching, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching Neil Hartman and Leslie Goodell and, 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 a, and Michael Barkan and the whole team. It, it, I mean, it was a gold standard local sports operation. And the fact that it has dropped to what it is today to me, is completely unacceptable, considering we are in the fourth media market in the country. And that I put on ownership. That I put on the fact that they're running the operation as if 
We are Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. As if we are some Topeka, Kansas. We aren't. This is Philadelphia. And if you can't run it right, you should be you should let somebody run it that's willing to invest and do it because this could be a highly profitable operation. Michael? Yeah, but but isn't that a wasn't that a national decision, John? Like it Partially. wasn't just Philadelphia, it was all of their affiliates. Um, I remember when they took Daily News Live and we we kept it, and we were like the last one they had. They got rid of it in Chicago, they yes. got rid of it wherever they had. So is that more of a local decision or is that more of a Somewhere up on high decision. Oh, I guarantee you it's from somewhere up on high saying people don't need this. People don't use this. But there's an opportunity in a business. I guarantee you in a Chicago where they gutted everything in a Philadelphia where they gutted everything. There are opportunities for them to say, hey, right now we come out of this pandemic business models to say somebody come in here, swoop in, Mm -hmm. create an operation and, and give these people a forum. We have so many talented people that do such great work. And I honestly, I'm amazed with what they're able to accomplish with obviously what the budgets they're being given and with the resources that they're being given. It's got to change. And it will be a absolute, uh, you know, something I'll be calling out for as long as I'm going to be in this town, I can promise you. But do you think that will happen? Yes, I absolutely do. Yeah, I absolutely do. Because I think sports, sports and money go hand in hand in this town. Uh, If you know how to run a business, if you've got a business model that's successful and the big key is, is somebody can just go back and go, wait a minute. At one time, this was a highly successful business yeah. model. And this was something where people made it a destination. I mean, Daily News Live, seriously, Daily News yeah. Live was just so Philly. We actually got ratings. And it did. Amazing. And I'm thinking of a show. I mean, I'm thinking of a show that more epitomized Philly, Daily News Live, uh, Angelo and Al and all of them with the great sports debate. Right. Yeah. Things like that. They were uniquely Philly and they were followed in this town and opinions that came out of those shows mattered. and coaches listened, GMs listened. It moved the needle. And I'm telling you this, we're going to get it back. And when we get it back, I can't wait to have a show. I can't wait to have a show. We'll have some fun. John Kincaid joining us. Speaking of unwatchable, let me get to the regular season in the NBA because I heard you mention this this morning. Um, You know, you watch the Sixers last night. You think that they're going to clinch the East, and then Embiid's not playing, and and all these guys are out with non-COVID illness and everything. Yeah, we're going to the playoffs, and it's going to get better when it gets to the playoffs, but it's a real tough product to watch night in, night out. And it, the ratings drop that everybody's talked about, it feels like that's the main reason, isn't it? Well, yeah, because well, people are still trying to say it's about all of the, the, the wounds of last year during a political climate and, and all the messaging and all the stuff on the jerseys and on the court and everything. I choose to not believe that because I do believe that, you know, it's sort of like what Michael Jordan said before. I do believe Republicans like watching LeBron James dunk a basketball. I think they enjoy, I think everybody enjoys it. I think you can be an independent Republican Democrat and you can love great basketball players and great talent. And guess what? Everybody loves when Embiid and Simmons and the Sixers have it cooking. I don't care what your voter registration card says. You'll, you're going to love it. And as this playoff run will show, this city's going to unite behind it. I can feel it. I can feel the energy that's coming, especially now that they're finally opening the doors and going to get people back in the building. But 
when I do question a business model and I question Commissioner Silver, when you've got a business model that just says, we're going to sell tickets and you're going to go see the Beatles. You're going to go see the Rolling Stones in concert. But when you go see the Beatles this night, Paul McCartney's not going to be there. You're going to go see Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band back in the day. And Clarence Clemens won't be performing tonight. We're giving him a load. No, no little Stevie, night. right. I mean, is yeah, no little Stevie tonight. No, and oh wait, wait, Bruce is gonna take the night off. So like last night, you had tickets to you had tickets to oh, the Springsteen no. concert. Oh no, that means more of that means more of his wife. No, no. Bob, Bob Cooney. Bob Cooney <laughs> would would seriously storm the castle at oh, yeah. that point. My partner Bob. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's to me, it's a crazy business model when you have when you have teams that are purposely just saying, nah, we'll wait till the playoffs. And to me, that's a, that's a disturbing, disturbing trend. And I think it's bad for business. Mike? Yeah. But, but unfortunately, again, it's the reality of life these days. And, and John, you weren't here in 2001, but you were probably following from where. But when the Sixers and the Flyers were playing every other night, you had the Sixers one night, then the, fly, and, sure. and the Flyers, I think, went to the Eastern Conference Final that, that year. Was that was 2000. That was 2000. Okay, 2000. And this town, it was nuts. It was electric. Every night, you went from hockey to basketball to hockey to basketball. And I can only imagine, but I think you're right, John. If this Sixers team, we're so starved right now for something. Oh. If they get to the finals, if they make it that far, regardless of what, I think this town will just, it, it will be... Like you said, the energy, you won't even have to worry about what your show's like in the morning because it's going to be off plus, the chart. Plus post-COVID. Yeah, yes. That's another thing. I mean, yes. we're, coming out of, we're coming out of one of the worst things that, you know, uh, you know, we've had to deal with as a society. People are looking to party. People mm-hmm. are looking to get out. People are looking to socialize. It's going to be an amazing shot in the arm. And I, I see the Eastern Conference Finals being the floor for this team. I really do. I think they advance. They'll it definitely play be. for that. And it better be. You're right. Yeah. Expectation should be there. But, I mean, this town's looking to party. And there's pent-up there's pent up money to be spent. Mm-hmm. There's a pent-up fandom. And the Sixers are going to benefit it. And I can tell you, like I'm looking today as the Mike Soroka news comes down out of the Braves, that his Achilles is no good. And, and, and he's going to have another surgery next yeah. week. The The door's wide open for the National League East to be a six-month yep. race, which could also engage all summer long and engage this town. So I'm so excited for it. Flyers missed an opportunity, whereas whereas now the, the Sixers and then the Phillies will have the first chance to, com, you know, to capitalize on it. And especially because with the Phillies, the Phillies are going to benefit on the back end because I think everybody – look, the Eagles are everything in this town. We all know this. Absolutely. But – I think there's going to be a feeling that everybody knows what's coming with the Eagles. Everybody knows this is probably a pretty lousy group, at least for this year. So if the Phillies are in contention, the Phillies can get some of that thunder back. I don't think they'll ever get close to what they were at the end of last decade or at the end of the 2000s, but they can get some of that thunder back. The problem is the manager keeps making everybody feel like they missed something with this guy all these years he was in New York. I mean, you know, I get he has a talent deficit. I get he doesn't have a great bullpen. I get he has almost no bench. But you mentioned it today. If Joe Girardi did these moves, or I'm sorry, if Gabe Kapler did these moves that Joe Girardi did, he oh, he would be he would be toast in this. Not team. to mention not to mention the idea is that 
the Phillies don't have enough of a talent. They don't have enough of a talent reserve of a reservoir of talent to be able to survive the manager costing them games yeah. and making bad decisions. I don't recognize Joe Joy. I don't recognize the guy that was previously managing in the major leagues. The guy who was sold to me as being the guy that the the Phillies went out and hired. I I don't recognize him. He makes calculated errors and he makes just basic like. Where, where he just loses his mind for a minute and, and, and makes strange decisions or decisions that he shouldn't be. Don't walk to the mound, Joe. I honestly, I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I'm real. No, real, I got to tell you, I'm concerned about Joe Girardi because he, this, none of this sounds like what was sold to me or yeah. has been him in his career. This is weird. This is a distracted man. And I've described him as he appears distracted. Well, I, I hope everything's okay. I, but I almost wonder if, We've all seen people who try to overcompensate for problems of something else. I almost wonder if Girardi thinks he has to be so fine with every move that he has to make every move and put every piece and everything that he's now kind of, because he doesn't have the depth of a roster that he's almost feeding into the fact that they don't have a depth in their roster and he's just burning. He's going to burn the bullpen out by July and he's going to, you know, whatever bullpen they really have. I, I just wonder if that is creating all these these goofy moves that he makes every night. It's over. He's overthinking things. Yeah, I mean he, he's he he's playing chess. He's trying to play chess, and every and and, you, and basically a baseball manager should be able to play checkers. You should. It shouldn't be this complicated. It shouldn't be this much of a mental struggle night after night. But, and more importantly, I want consistency of decisions. Are you letting pitchers try to pitch their way out of messes or not? Are you bailing them out too early? Are you taking them out early or not? If I saw consistency in those decisions, I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't necessarily agree, but I'd be okay saying, okay, he has a consistency of idea of pursuit. He doesn't. Night to night, I don't know which Joe Girardi's showing up. Well, you got really sp- but you got spoiled down there with, with with Bobby for a long time in Atlanta, who was consistent right. as hell. Absolutely. And even, and even Snick Brian Snicker. Brian Snicker's extremely consistent. I mean, and and he's he he you you had Brian Snicker here though you had that manager in Pete McCannon you, you had him you had a guy that was an organizational guy a guy who'd been around forever been around the game players liked him but, stable force but, but Johnny they got rid Johnny of him. Did, yeah he didn't fit in with with Matt he didn't fit in with Clintac that's what and it was what? and now you, and now you realize though is that you gotta you, they 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 backed the wrong horse oh yeah they backed the wrong horse absolutely. Um, hey, Kevin, let me, I want to ask John, John, you had spoke earlier about that. You're really making inroads with a younger audience. Yes. Um, which, how is that the three guys you have with you are all younger guys. I mean, for the most part, but not Cooney, Cooney. I, well, I think of them as younger guys. Well, you, then you well, think he's of under, me as young too. Look he's under, he's what? under 60. So Kern thinks he's younger. Yes. No, oh, there you go. See, to me, Bobby's still that guy that played high school hoops and, you know, go Bobby to me just strikes me. But how is it working with that group? Um, because I find it a little different, and I and I enjoy it. I, I've met those guys a couple of times. Where I was actually down there in the studio, but I, obviously Bob was a colleague of mine forever. Sure. What is that like with the group? What is the, the rapport like, and how long does it take to actually develop a a a, a you know something between you guys? Well, we find. Week to week, I'll mention it on the air. I'll go, here's something I have no idea. Like, we 
we have a, a, a slogan and it's actually a sign that it's going to hang in our, our studio lounge that we're bu- having built open up in a couple weeks. Don't do the show before the show. We okay. all do our show prep. We plan and, and each guy has responsibility for certain aspects of the show, certain features that we do, certain things we do, but we never talk about it before the show. Okay. So when we turn on the microphones, Bob Cooney has told us, I'm going to talk about these three different things during the course of the show tomorrow. At some point, our coach, Eric Camille, puts together the show. He takes Bob's contributions, Jamie's contributions, Pat's and my own, and then puts it all together. And I do my top of the hour where I sort of set the tone for what we're talking about just to start each hour. And, but we don't talk about them till we're on the air. I'm learning things about these guys every day. And it's funny because it's fun to learn where you have common ground with people you didn't really know. And it's more, but it's more fun to me sometimes to find out where we don't have common ground and where we, the, the things that we just don't see eye to eye on, but why don't we, what, what let, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's, let's find it out. And I'll tell you the guy from, from every single one of them, uh, it has been a real interesting experience getting to know each other. And I'm very meticulous. I'm very organized. I run a very tight operation. And these guys um, weren't used to that. They weren't not used to that. I'm going to just say that. So we had to like learn. They had to learn how I do things. And then I've had to also learn and adjust a bit to how they do things and make sure we're playing everybody's strengths. And it is a, it's a hell of a lot of fun. But we're trying to do a show that sounds very different than anything that has ever aired in Philly sports radio. We don't spend we don't spend 25 minutes on one topic. We do not. We bounce around. We keep things fast. We change gears. We if we have a topic where everybody's getting very heated and it gets we're arguing with each other. Five minutes later, we're laughing, talking about something else. We don't. I, I, I believe there's a lot of beat the dead horse radio that's done in this town over the years. I don't prefer that. I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. And here's someone still beating me over the head at 9 a.m. about the same things. I like it when things change up. And I think younger listeners prefer that. And they want pace. They want elements of the show that are different. We have game time every Thursday. We, Ricky Bo comes in the studio. We change things up. We play games. We do stupid stuff. And we also talk about our lives. And we let the audience get to know us all a little bit, which has been a lot of fun. Let me, let me ask you before we let you go. Um, sure. I mentioned at the top two time cancer survivor. Um, yes. And, and you guys have started a, a connection with, um, to give, uh, the cancer, it's uh, the American association for cancer, cancer research. Um, uh, just talk about, you've had a remarkable journey, uh, through this business, but we all know that this business is up and down. I mean, Mike and sure. I have learned, lived it. You, you lived it last year, obviously. Uh, when, 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 you know, everything in Atlanta ended, but how much does your, you're pretty grounded. How much of that is a result of what you went through with those two treatments? Oh, it's absolutely. Uh, when you, when a doctor, you know, tells you your, your life is very much could hang in the balance. It changes everything for you from that point on. When you, I'm a man of great faith. I am a, you know, I'm a, I'm a cradle Catholic and I don't care if anybody's a Catholic, a Lutheran, if they're Jewish, Muslim, whatever it is. I believe that, you know, I believe that a a higher force helps to ground me, but I know this is that my nothing, I fear nothing. 
uh, anymore. I, I don't, uh, when you survive something like that, when you go through something like that, uh, every day of your life is better from that point on because you don't sweat the small stuff. And my wife gets very aggravated with me because she'll say, you, you don't take anything seriously. You're constantly making a joke. And I'm like, because this doesn't matter. She once pulled her SUV out of the garage in Atlanta and totaled my brand new, well, four month old high-end German sedan. She <laughs> caved in the entire side of the car. She was hysterical coming into the house to get me to tell me the news, crying. And, and I walked outside and saw it and just started laughing. And I can tell you before cancer, I would have been like, what happened? Oh my God, my car. I just came out and laughed. And I said, honey, that's what we have insurance for. And it definitely changed every day of my life from this point on because uh, I'm, I, I believe to, I try to be fearless. Uh, I try to be a man of conviction. I don't kiss anybody's ass. I don't care to, uh, if, if someone love, if someone likes me or loves me, that's awesome. If they don't, I just hope that they find a way to respect me because I'm going to do things above board. I'm going to do things professionally as best I can, but, uh, it changes every single day of my life and it's changed it for the better. And, uh, I thank God that he sent me that challenge because I believe it gave me the fortitude to be successful in life. John Kincaid. Uh, Not to get too deep. No, that's no. Way. That's, that's, that's that, fine. And man. I, you know, I think sometimes we all need to be reminded of that. You know, we, we talked to Croce last week about it. Oh, uh, well, there's another one. There's, that's another one. Right. And, and, and Croce talked about how it, you realize that, and not to get too deep on this end, sure. you realize that it's your body that's going through it, but it's not you. And that yeah. you have to make sure that you stays intact and you stay in the moment and to a core set of values. And, and, and two is my, my wife and daughter have a nickname for me. And I don't know if either one of you ever liked the big bang theory, but my wife and daughter call me Sheldon. Yeah. They joke around with me because very much people who work with me would tell you I am meticulous. I am, I am in order. I like things done a certain way. We have regiments that we do. We have things that we do and it's brought success in my life. So that's what I do. But it's funny to have guys like Cooney around to call me on no my, relation my to call me on my uh my more uh you know odd quirks and you know to loosen up a bit and every yeah. once in a while bob will give me a loosen up a little bit you, you, you yeah. are you having fun just loosen up loosen up a little bit today and it's great to have people like that in your life that ground you on a daily basis so, so i'm very fortunate to have that too John Kincaid from 97.5 The Fanatic. Uh, listen to him, Bob Cooney, uh, Jamie Lynch, and Pat Egan. Uh, boy, there's there's two Catholic League products in there between Egan and you. Uh, oh, no, Jamie Lynch, and J- LaSalle. Well, Jamie's, oh, well, okay. He's LaSalle. He's, he, so right. we've got, he's not an and, archdiocese product. No, no. he's you know, he's fancy boy. So oh, yeah. He's one of the fancy boy schools. I mean, let's be honest. See, see, and I, you know, he, he's he, he's more as we say, he's of the Lynches of Montgomery County. Ugh. They're they're of a different tier Jeez. than the King, the Kincaids of Delco. John, when I used totally to go, different. when I used to go with Judge over to LaSalle, I felt like that they sh- they literally would would not let us throw. It was like going into East Berlin and trying to come back, you know, like <laughs> to West Berlin back, at that point. Back in my back in my uh, high school ice hockey coaching days. At Downingtown High School, I used to I I loved beating LaSalle. Oh, and one year we one year I just I just I just 
didn't like the way they carried themselves. I didn't like the way that it was like there was a there was a, a snooty air to it back in the day. I don't know if that's changed. Yeah. But I remember that we beat them in the Flyers Cup and they didn't like the fact that my goalie had come all the way from Arizona to play for me. Had, had to live. And they were like and the coach said, well, we uh, you know, well, we lost. But the kid who we lost to, he's a goalie he's from Arizona. And I said, well. Considering LaSalle can get students from wherever they want. That's if right. He would like, if he would like me to go get him a phone book for Arizona, I'll see if he could lure one of the best goaltenders in the country to want to come play for him. So it just is it LaSalle's always been a touchy point, you know. Oh, absolutely. And so it, <laughs> uh John Kincaid joins us. John, thanks a lot for joining us. And we'll be back on Work on the Beat. Be good, John. Right after these messages. <laughs> Our thanks to John Kincaid of work of 97.5 The Fanatic uh, appearing here on Work and the Beat. Uh, interesting conversation. Um, I think John has a, a, a different approach than we've heard around here in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I think the personalities between him and, and that crew are, are developing, but they're pretty good. And uh, he has strong opinions. There's little doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen in the morning because I go out to get my breakfast sandwich at Burger King every day, and I go walk. So I listen to him, and I listen to Angelo. All depends, yep. you know. I know Angelo's going to have a guest on the top of the hour, so whatever. I go back. And there's parts of John's show that, that I like. And then there's other parts that sometimes I'm not. But like he said, they're trying different things. Yeah. You know, so there's and, – and, they're, they're you know, not everything's going to appeal to everybody. Um, and obviously, I know Bobby Cooney very well. Uh, I know Jamie a little bit. I mean, and and, and um, Pat a little bit. Sometimes I think the banner sometimes is very good. I mean, it's different than Angelo's show. It is. But let's face it. It's just and and that's and that's what it should be because if you try to do Angelo's show, you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, you're just not going to win. But um, you know, Angelo's not going to be around forever. No. Nobody seems to know, and especially now with Spike leaving. Uh, Spike Eskin going to New York. Yeah. Who knows what that means? I, I, yeah, and, th- and that could change a lot of the dynamic there. I mean, you know, because look, I sure. mean, Spike, Spike had rebuilt ninety four into a pretty big ratings power. Um, well, Spike knew what he wanted. Spike knew what he wanted to do. He knew who he liked. Yep, he had his guys. You know, I don't know who they're going to hire, so I don't know what that next person. What kind of voice do they want? Do they want hot takey? Do they want uh, entertainment? Kind of the guy talk stuff? It, you know. Well, to I, me, if what you're saying is true, Kevin, that he's like, if their ratings are really doing well, you don't touch it. Exactly. Yeah. And when Angelo leaves, I mean, you well, that's the big. That's going to be the big dilemma. Yeah. Yeah, but you're, but that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Whether it happens next year or the year after, or the year after that, it's going to happen at some point in time. And I don't know if Rhea and Al and everybody else Jonesy. associated with it stays. Yeah. Speaking I, of I, which, we have Rhea on this show next week. Rhea will be on this podcast yeah. next Wednesday. We're looking forward to having Rhea on with us. But uh, I would imagine whoever's taking over for Spike, the first question that they're going to get asked and the biggest question they're going to get asked is, what What do you foresee us doing in the morning at some point in time? Uh, and... and there's also another question. It was brought up by Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad. I'll give him a little bit of a shout out today. It's not just replacing Angela that's going to be part of this. 
the next person's probably going to end up having to pick the Eagles play-by-play voice because that's a intercom, well, Odyssey decision mm-hmm. as much as it is the Eagles. And Merrill is not getting younger. And so you're going to have to find a new play-by-play guy for the Eagles. So this is going to be... I think, but I think that's on a different level, Kevin. It's it's like um, a play-by-play... Look, he's a Hall of Fame play-by-play guy. Yeah. You know, it was like replacing Harry Cowles. Yeah. You, you know... But that's not the same as replacing a guy who does a show uh, every morning. You're right, and and a show that's different. Y- you know, it's it's not. Um, it's just different. There's only one Angelo, you know, and there's only one Joe Conklin that goes with it, and one Rhea, and one uh, Jonesy, and, and all and all the elements that go together. And you don't have to like every. I mean, there's times I'll be listening to Angelo, and I'm like, oh, come on, please, you know, enough already. But there's other times when you're sitting there saying, hey, this is pretty good, you know. Right. Um, Angelo yeah, I mean, still look, gets the best guest. Angelo's guest list is usually the best guest. I mean, sure. because of the people he brings in. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I'd want to be the guy replacing Angelo. No, but somebody has to replace everybody. I yeah. mean, you know, somebody had to replace John Cheney. Somebody had to replace Harry Callis. Um, somebody had to replace Gene Hart. And I think with play by play guys, as long as you don't hire somebody horrible, I think that the next guy will probably do okay replacing Merle. I have no idea who that is, but there's certainly a lot of good guys out there you could probably choose from. Yeah, um, I, I think I have a guy. I think I have a guy in mind when it comes that time. Uh, okay. I would say Scott Graham would make the most sense. Yeah, but I don't know. I think Scott might at this point in his life might be past that. Scott's got a good gig, man. Yeah, he does. I mean, for somebody that got but Scott, also got has a connection field. with the Eagles as well. What's that? Scott has a connection with the Eagles already because of A, his NFL films work. Yeah. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. All I'm saying is I think Scott's in a good place. Yeah, I agree. I could be totally wrong about that. Like what happened with the Phillies, I know, you know, everybody felt bad for him and everybody, you know, but my God, I mean, is he reinventing himself or what? Yeah, he's been Um, awesome. Yeah. And that that production company, he he works with Villanova with the production company. Yeah. He has. and, and yeah. does the Jay Wright show and everything. He he does really well with that type yeah. of but stuff. But think of some of the guys, like, you know, I mean, who knew Scott Fransky was going to be this good? Yeah. You know, he's turned out to be, you know, by the time he's done, we'll be talking about him like we talked about Harry yeah, or something. I mean, uh, him and Larry Anderson, are, you know, and I know Larry only does some of it now, but I mean, um, you know, every, every team goes through something like this. Every team goes through... Yeah, and, and we in Philadelphia tend to have guys for a long time. Yeah, we do. You know, Zoo's been doing it forever. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Jackson. 28 years forever. for JJ. Yes. I mean, and, and we lose sight of that sometimes yeah. because these guys have been doing it almost as long as the Calluses were doing it or the Merles have been doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, life will go on. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not even sure. You know, the thing is, Merle might be here another five to ten years. He could. He could. Who and knows? Merle wants to keep going. So, uh, I mentioned this in the interview with with John, and look, we can. The Sixers are going to clinch the number one seat, so we're fine. We're going to have a lot of time to talk Sixers over the next couple months. Okay, nothing's going to really change. They, if they lose to Miami and twice, uh, they lose twice to Orlando at home and Miami. That's a breaking news event. So they're going to be the number one seat. Well, the Nets would the Nets would still have to win a game or two, right? They would have to win all three coming in. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, look, if the Sixers don't finish as the number one seed, then they're a colossal idiots. Right. And the Phillies, I don't get a – it's funny. I was talking to somebody I, I, I trust today about it, and he's like, you know, kind of like what John said. You know, 
they're going to be in it just because everybody else in the division is not that good. Um, yeah, but we thought they look back. I, mean, I know you lean towards the under. I said I would take the over, but not by like a whole. But I thought they were going to be in contention for something well into September, whatever um, that was. And I, I didn't. And I think know, that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to happen because I think the rest of the division is so flawed that it's going to keep them in. But what I'm saying is, Kevin, I already thought that. Yeah. But now I I think the division's definitely in play because the only team I the only team that, that you fear is the Braves because the Braves on paper are better. Mm-hmm. I mean they're, they're 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 probably better. I don't fear the Mets, and now you know I I never f- feared the Nats. I thought the Nats were way overrated. Right. And the Marlins, I just don't know what to make of the Marlins. Um. You know, them making the playoffs last year, and everybody gets on. They have some good young pitchers, and even though one of them's not pitching right now, but, you know, they're the Marlins. I mean, it, there's no reason, and I still say this, I think like 87, 88 wins is going to win this division. Yeah, I could be wrong. You know, the Braves could get it hot. Could. Somebody could get hot. It but, could, but not having Soroka is really going to hurt the Braves. The Braves, the, sure. the Braves starting pitching is a real question mark. Yeah, but the Phillies, you know, the Phillies could have the same thing happen to they them could. a month from now. You know, oh, if they Nola lose Wheeler, down, Wheeler, if they lose, down. yeah, Nola Wheeler or Eflin, they're they're screwed at I this think, point. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's Nola or, or Wheeler. I mean, Eflin's good, but he ain't them. Um, yeah, but it means having to bump up another starting pitcher yeah, if you lose him. Hey, that, Vinny, man, Vinny's Vinny's been, been decent. I, I hey, hey, Anderson gave you five shutout innings last night. Then he kept them in for the six. Well, look, that's a whole different ballgame. How worried are you about the manager? I, 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 the manager to me is kind of how John put it. It's not the same guy that we saw managing the Yankees all those years, but we weren't watching him every day. Yeah. And he had a different team. Yeah, he did. Uh, and, And that doesn't mean he's a bad manager. I don't, I don't mean it in that way. I'm just saying managing the American League, managing the American League is different. Although he did manage in the National League before that and was manager of the year. Um, I just, he's done some things. And and why you do what you do last night, I have no idea. You have a chance to break that game open and you think you're going to get one more inning out of Anderson? Did you think you were going to get two more innings? You know, if that's Eflin or Noah or or Wheeler, I don't even think about it. I don't think I hit. But that was bizarre. I mean... And then it, then the Nats come back and make it three two, and you're thinking, oh my god, yeah. like did they did they blow that? Um, but you know, hey, look, they won and they're in first place, and well, they're in second, but are they in second? What yeah, the Mets are ahead Mets of are ahead of them. Okay. Game and and you know what? Maybe I'm short selling the Mets a little. Maybe the Mets legitimately, and I don't think the Grom's going to be like you know a, a no. year long thing, but you never know. I mean, who knows? But has Syndergaard even pitched for them yet? Is he? He's coming back, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Okay. So maybe the Mets, look, but I still think that the Mets owner made a big-time mistake not getting Rio Milto because, first of all, if you take Rio Milto off the Phillies, ooh. Well, he's I mean, not playing. like not. He, he's obviously Nats. not playing the night. Um, yeah. What I'm just saying is I think the Mets made a mistake, and I'm not saying getting Lindor wasn't a good thing, and Lindor's younger, and I, I understand all that. But, man, I think you just wouldn't – Maybe he didn't respect the Phillies enough to say, hey, I want to hurt the Phillies. I don't know. I, no. you know, But Riamolto is the best catcher in baseball, in all likelihood. And I guess Lindor's one of the best shortstops. So I guess there's an E, and you're going to have him for 10 years instead of four. Um, 
I don't know. Well, the, the Mets have won seven straight. They won again on Wednesday afternoon. So. See, I haven't even been paying attention. I'm sorry. No, they're, they're, they've won seven straight. They're 18 yeah. and 13. Phillies are 19 and 17. So they're What are the Braves right now? Just just behind the Phillies? 17 and 18. They're three back. And, and the Marlins are right there also? Marlins and the Nationals are both five back. And I, I will say one thing this year. The Phillies better play better against the Marlins because they've just played like dog dirt against the Marlins. Yeah. And if that continues, that wouldn't be a good thing. You know, but I, I was, I mean, uh, but I was, I was talking to somebody who said, you know, I go, all right, let me, you know, if I give you priorities, where are you going? He goes, there's too many priorities for the Phillies to fill right now. He goes back into the rotation. He goes a closer. He goes, they can't go with Hector Neris all year. He goes, he doesn't think Archie Bradley is going to be, uh, have enough velocity to really the, to close games. Um, and then he goes center field after that. So. And they may not address any of those. No, they may not. Uh, you know, I guess, I mean, look, they're, they're at the trade deadline, I would assume they're going to be trying to help themselves rather than, you know, get rid of people. Um, but I just don't know what you do. They're, it's not like their farm system's loaded. Right. And I don't know if the Phillies are in a position to go all in this year. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, I don't know if you're going to go all in for a fourth starter. Uh, maybe you go all in for a center fielder if the right guy presented himself. I don't. I, I don't know that, but I think they're just going to. I think uh, Dubal's going to be your center fielder for the most part. Um, if Vinny can pitch anything like he's pitched the last couple, you know that's not bad. I no, mean, it's not. but you know Vinny. I mean, this is what, what you know. Their bench ain't all that good, um, and they have. You know, I mean, you worry about the first baseman a little bit. You know, there's there's things that you kind of look there, but. I what, what do I know? I mean, yeah, they're, they're, I still think they're around the 500 team, mm-hmm. which means you could be a little bit over 500. I don't think they're going to finish under 500. No, I don't. Unless know somebody, that. unless there's some major injury somewhere. Uh, um, let me let me so. let me go to. I want to touch. We talked on it with John, and I want to bring this up. And, and you know, the Flyers yesterday were a main story because it was breakout a breakup day, and it was. You know, they have Vigneault and they have Fletcher, and we all talked about the stuff. But I, I'm interested in the business end of it. Um, because, as mentioned, NBC is, you know, we mentioned this with the Comcast stuff earlier with Comcast Sportsnet. NBC has, you know, appeared willing. There was a report in Philadelphia or in the Wall Street Journal that they want to get rid of or put their regional sports networks behind the paywall to go to Peacock, which is their. Uh, streaming service. Um, there's going to be pushback. I, I can tell you right now, there's going to be pushback from the Phillies uh, who have an older audience who may not go to Peacock uh, behind the streaming service. And there's just the general sense from people I've talked to that Comcast slash NBC may be wanting to get out of the sports business. Aside from their NFL, Olympic, and basically golf channel, which is a big moneymaker for them. Um, They may not want to be in the sports business, which leads the fate of the flyers and the Wells Fargo center up in the air. I mean, uh, Mike, I I know we're kind of seeing this from 50,000 feet, but I mean, ever since the flyers have ended up under Comcast, ever since Ed Snyder died, it has felt like it's been nobody at the wheel here. Um, from the management side, would the Flyers benefit from a new owner? I don't, Kevin. You, 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 I think sometimes you, you, 
you worry about things that we can't worry about. I mean, I, I, I can't, you know, do I like the Phillies ownership group? I mean, I, I don't know. We, you know, um, they, for a while they were all mishmashed and stuff, and we didn't know who was in. Sometimes with the Sixers, I don't know who the hell's calling shots and stuff. I mean, this is this is how teams are run. Willing now to suspend now twenty is years there. ago or thirty years ago. They're not. It, it's not run the same way. You don't have Ed Snyder. I mean, the Eagles still have Jeff Lurie. Sometimes that ain't good. I mean, you know. I don't know what's going to happen with the Flyers, but I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the way we do sports. Like you said, I mean, streaming seems to be the wave of the future, even though I'll never stream. I mean, I said, I mean, I might be forced to, but that may be the way to go. I, I, I don't know. Um, but the days of an Ed Snyder running the show and, and the buck ending with him, th- those days in, in a lot of cases for a lot of teams, you, you know, there aren't. There aren't a lot of Jerry Joneses out there or, or Crafts or, you know, um, but I don't know how to answer your question. I, I don't – I mean, would they benefit from a new owner? I, I, I mean, my answer, I guess, is yes. But if they get a new owner in five years from now, they're still missing the playoffs. What am I going to say to you? Well, and I think it's a question – Flyer fans get frustrated because of Comcast. And the big pa- – the power that a, a major corporation – usually has is the fact that they can outspend mistakes except for in the NHL when it's a hard cap you can't outspend mistakes I just I wonder I just wonder like it, it, it's Ed Snyder was so burning passion that he wants to win the cup every year and it, it hurt them at times it did let's be honest sure it did. yeah um that I think it, it causes a reaction to people when you go the opposite extreme. And, like, people wouldn't know Dave Scott out of a lineup. Yeah, but you got to tell me who the new owner would be, Kevin. Like, like, is another corporation going to buy them? Is Pat Croce going to put a group together to buy them? I mean, I don't know who the new owner would be. Yeah, and that and that's one of the issues. Do you, tr- do you hope a billionaire comes in, you know, who... You know, I think everybody... I think sometimes in this town we look at like the Mark Cubans of the world and we see, um, you know, obviously now Steve Cohen up with the Mets and all that. The, everybody wants their own sugar daddy, if you will. Yeah, yeah the but endless if you have that who's guy, also passionate, who wants to win. It, it, but in this town really hasn't had it except for Ed Snyder. Yeah, but if, if you. Well, Jeff Lurie is that. Jeff Lurie's on the team for yeah. 25 years. Yeah, but Jeff, Jeff didn't have the bankroll behind it that. Cuban or Cohen have is what I'm saying. No, no, no. But he he developed it because of the franchise. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, he. I I don't know how much if you have. Or Paul Allen is another. When you start measuring bank accounts, I mean, because Steve Cohen's or Cohen's is bigger than Lori's. I mean, what does that mean? Like, you know, you know, who's got the bigger whatever? I mean, I I mean, you know, I'm sure Jeff does. I'm sure Jeff's not hurting when it comes to throwing money around and what the Eagles can do. It doesn't hurt the Eagles. You know, does it does it help the Mets a lot more that they have a guy like that as opposed to what the Phillies have? I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, Middleton says he's got money coming out of his ears. So, I, you know, we're going to spend crazy money, goofy money, whatever, stupid money. I don't know. Because if a billionaire buys your team and hires the wrong general manager who then hires the wrong coach, what difference does it make? It's a fair point. I mean, I you know, you you, you I think sometimes, Kevin, you try to make sense of things by like, I mean, let's see what the Mets are like in five years. 
I don't know what the Mets are going to be like just because. And it even changes. It even changes. Let's be honest. The, you know, the Steinbrenners that are in place now, Hal Steinbrenner is the charge of the Yankees. Yes, they spend money, but it's not the old Steinbrenners. It's not the old George days where George would have the hair trigger. Example. Well, who owns who owns the Dodgers? Well, Magic's part of the ownership group, but there's well, a. There, I, I mean, they they're, it's a conglomerate money. that owns the Dodgers. Okay. Yeah. So they're a conglomerate, and they spend more money than God. So. Obviously, they have, you know, if you're going to say Comcast is a conglomerate or whatever, I mean, you know, Comcast can spend the money if they. Now, if Comcast wants to get out of the hockey game and get out of the sports game, I, I understand. Maybe they don't want to be in it anymore, but you got to be careful for what you wish for sometimes. Yeah. You know, the people in New York, when Cohen took over the team, oh, this is whatever. Well, five years from now, the Mets have not won diddle squat. Then what are they going to say about their owner? Well, and, and this is funny. It's funny and not funny, but the one thing that keeps coming back in my mind, excuse me, and this is again pure speculation on my part. But Josh Harris went to buy the Mets last year, remember? Yeah. And Josh Harris went to buy SMY, which is the Mets regional cable network, because he wanted to have access to a regional cable network. Right. Okay. He didn't get either. Josh could be. You know, Josh is in a, a, a thing right now. Comcast is his landlord, okay, at Wells Fargo. Comcast is his rights holder with the Sixers broadcast rights on NBC Sports Philly. If, let's say Comcast gets rid of the RSNs, and let's say they want to get rid of the building and the flyers, the only thing that Josh would have to do, in theory, would be to sell the Devils at that point. If that's what he wants If to that's do, what he wants. Josh, I don't, yeah. But I mean, I, don't know. It, I mean, I think the Sixers want a building somewhere else that's probably going to take six to eight to ten years to get. Whether it's in Jersey, it's probably going to be in Jersey. And, and, that, and that, either Jersey or would they build maybe on the site right now? It could happen. I have no idea, Cap. But but again, we're you know we're we're, we're contemplating things that could be so far out in the distance. Oh, it we could. Don't even know what kind of impact they have. It could. It, it's like absolutely. You know, that's why I don't. I, I don't. If somebody buys the, the Comcast tomorrow or Comcast sells the team, then I'll worry about it. And I'll say, okay, who's buying them? I, you know, I, I'm just saying, we, we look up in New York. Here's this, this this guy who bought the Mets. And the first thing everybody said was, oh, my God, he's going to buy everybody. Well, he didn't buy the Phillies catcher. You know, and the shortstop he bought's getting booed. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, money's great. I mean, money can solve a lot of problems. Ed Snyder had money for all those years, and what did the Flyers win? Nothing. Oh, nothing. And they kept trying to out buy their mistakes. That's all they did for, for 30 years, basically. They went out got this guy, this guy. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, let's go get this guy, this guy. Then they put a salary cap in. So you can't do that anymore. So now they're stuck there with a bunch of guys making a lot of money that if, if this was 30 years ago, they would have went out and just signed more guys. Yeah, they would have. But you can't do that anymore. So, hmm. you know, I still think money's great, but you have to be smart. The smart people are still the ones that win. Uh, you know, I mean, look how long it took the Dodgers to win. And they only won because it was a 60-game season. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know if they win if it was a 160-game season. And, and right now they're a 500 team at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. You know, is it, is it, I mean, you know, the Yankees haven't won anything in in – you know, 12 years, 12 years. And so I don't know, but everybody points to them and says, you know, I guess the Red Sox had a big payroll when they were winning their world series. Yeah. I, 
I don't know what Houston's payroll was when they. By the way, the Red Sox are the Red Sox are back in front here. Red Sox are back in first and playing really well under Alex Cora. I mean, hey, look, you know, it's it's everybody thinks. Look, Mark Cuban, God bless him, has won one championship, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of an upset, but they won. Uh, Okay, and he's got more money than who? You know, everybody, right? Um, you know, when when the guy, what was it? The guy that bought the Clippers, right? Was it the Clippers? I'm thinking of. Oh, Steve Ballmer. He's, he's got more money than everybody, right? Mm-hmm. What have they won? Paul Allen, Paul Allen, Paul Allen was a part owner of Microsoft. Exactly. Paul Allen won one Super Bowl and nothing with the Trailblazers. Nothing. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, it's great to have money. It, it really is. It's great to be able to well, sit there and say, "I got more money than you." If you're in a poker game, it's awesome because I'm going to keep raising and keep and, and see what you got. But in in sports now, with salary caps and things, you know. In baseball, there's not a salary cap, but then you're paying luxury tax. We've even seen the Yankees back off on that a little bit. Yep. Um, but, you know, and the Phillies obviously are trying to avoid it. Um, but you still have to go out and play on the field. I, you still have to draft well. You still have to have a good farm system. I mean, you look at almost any sport, mm-hmm. whether it's the Sixers, the, the, the Flyers, the Phillies. If your farm system stinks, you're going to stink. Yep. Because you can't buy enough players. Yep. And, and the Flyers have not. I mean, I'm not going to look. I'm, I don't know enough hockey to, to go through all their draft picks. But and in hockey, you almost got to get lucky to get that really the Lindros. You know, you got to get you got to have the first pick usually, or at least the second pick. But the Sixers, look at look at what they they fanned on about three of their really draft picks. Yeah. But they got Simmons and they got Embiid. Okay, and they're a pretty good team. Uh, the Eagles have flubbed their drafts the last three or four years. And look where they're at, um, you know. And and so you got to build. Yeah, and then you look at teams like some of the really good teams, like and you just look at their minor leagues, and you're like, like every year the Yankees would have one of the best minor leagues. I'm like, how can they do that? You know, they're pick, they're picking near, you know. But I just think some organizations, you know, Kevin, you covered the Phillies for how many years? Their development 71. of players stinks. Yeah. Their track record of development of players outside the two eras where they outside the yeah. two era, yeah, they were not good. Yeah, so and eventually that's going to have an impact on your team. Yep. Um. So you know, I mean, and that, that I, that's just you, you got to be smart. You got to hire the right people and hope that you get the right players and everything. You know works but it's it's uh, i don't know where the flyers go from here they made it sound like, like yesterday like they're a trade away really you know i mean that press conference was a joke yeah you know it was and, awful and look, maybe they're right maybe the, the covid thing really 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 screwed them up and the lack of practice and the things john was alluding to i'll buy that I, I, okay fine I, i'll give you that but man they better show me something next year yeah, and I'm not saying they got to win the Stanley Cup next year. I don't. Mean but you that. better be a. You better be in the playoffs next year, and you better be. A you couple, better a win. A, you better win a, a round. Series, yeah, at least. Uh, all right, we've avoided this as long as we can. Uh, the NFL schedule comes out this evening. I don't uh, care. Okay. I don't. I don't care. All right. The Eagles are going to win six or seven games, maybe. Out of what, what out do I of, care about? Out of seven. Out of seventeen. Uh, yeah, we should point they're out going, they're going to Vegas, right? So everybody's yeah. excited about that because they can make a road trip to Vegas. The, we know they're going to start in Atlanta. Their first game is going to be against the Falcons on a Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. 
They have two primetime games, apparently, according to schedule leaks that have been our buddy Boop uh, retweeted. Uh, They're at Dallas for Monday Night Football week three, and they host uh, the defending world champion Buccaneers on Thursday night uh, on week six. And apparently they close with the Giants, Redskins, Cowboys. Five of their last six games are are going to be against the NFC East. Uh, From week 12 on... They did that a couple years ago. They had a schedule like kind of like that. From week twelve on, they have one out of conference game. That's the Jets and a bye in week fourteen. So take it. They they don't get their bye till week fourteen. No. Oh God. Uh, that's not good. That's that's not good. No, their opening stretch could be Atlanta's a winnable game, but they get. They get the 49ers at Dallas, then the Chiefs, and then at Carolina in their first five. Yeah, but don't you think and if you're Tampa. Atlanta, you're sitting there saying, well, the Eagles are a winnable game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're home. I know the Falcons don't play well against the Eagles usually, especially here, but it's in Atlanta. But the Eagles have had some success against Atlanta because Matt Ryan doesn't seem like he plays well against them for whatever reason. But, hey, look, I, you know, it, it, this, this going through a schedule, I, I was listening to Mike, Mizzinelli on the radio and I drive back. It's, it's just, I mean, how can you, like, if they go to Carolina in week five, how do I know they can't beat Carolina? I mean, the Carolina won I mean, the Super Bowl this year or something? Did I miss this? Um, Then they go to Detroit in, like, week eight or nine. Well, how do I know Detroit can't beat them? Like, everybody's going to give them a win against Detroit. How do I know that? <laughs> like, I don't know that. I mean, could be, you can look, really you can look at a schedule and you can pick spots that I don't think are good. They're not I, they're be not the beating Chiefs, the Chiefs, I, and they're not beating the Bucks, and they're not beating the Bucks. And I don't think they'll beat the 49ers. Yeah, but no, no, I would agree with you, and especially because they beat the 49ers last year, right? Um, but you know, the 49ers are, are a weird team. Only in it, I mean, I'm assuming Grappolo will probably be the quarterback. Then I could be wrong. Maybe it'll be Trey Lance. Yeah, I, I would. And that is the 49ers game here? Yeah. I mean, I, look, if the Eagles win that game, it, like, it, is, is it like the Jets beating the – I mean, the Eagles, will, I'm guessing – well, we don't know what they're going to do in week one, and I don't know who the 49ers play in week No, one. by the way, the Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite in week one. Okay. So they're three-and-a-half-point underdog on the road. Mm-hmm. That, okay. When they play the Niners, and I like I said, I don't know who the Niners are playing, I'm guessing the Niners will be a four-point favorite here. Um, I would say four to five. It, it, now, obviously, the week okay. one spe- it's under a touchdown. Yeah, so I would agree. Okay, but so but they're going to be they're going to be out. There's first six weeks. There are two games. There's two home games for them. They're going to be a double digit dog, and that's going to be Kansas City and Tampa. Well, but again, Kevin, it depends. What what if the Eagles go out and win those first two games? They're not. They might not be a double digit dog. I mean. The Chiefs might come or, or they beat Atlanta, or they beat Dallas on Monday night. Yeah, or they beat. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, like, like I would think the Dallas game on Monday night is the one they can't win. Okay, like, that would be to me. I, I don't think they're going to win that game. Um, you know, but uh, again, like you know, Dak Prescott could break his foot again in week two. You know, we 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 don't know things. There, are, you know, things happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at their 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 schedule, their pro- and, and 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 for the life of me, for a team that finished in last place. I don't think they got that easy of a schedule, but oh no! I, and I think I think what you're talking about, like they had the back to back trip. Well, and the Vegas trip is going to be nuts because every airplane between oh, here and oh, nah, uh, yeah. Vegas yeah. that weekend is going to be five hundred dollars, and there's not going to be a seat. 
Um, Vegas and Detroit back to back. Now they may not look bad, but having to go on the road back to back weeks is not. Yeah. But I'll what? But one example. one benefit for them is after week ten, they're not on an airplane again. Okay, but I'll give you a perfect example of a game. The Chargers come here like around week nine. Week nine. It's the okay. in, it's the in between game between Vegas and Detroit, and they go to Denver then the following week. Okay, and everybody I heard, yeah, they the char- How do we know what the hell the Chargers are going to be? We have no freaking clue. Were people saying that in a way that the Chargers were good or the Chargers no, were bad? I just don't know. I mean, Her- Herbert was good last year. They fired their coach. You know, they were okay. They were, yeah. You know, but I don't know. Like, you know, who knows what the Eagles are going to be like by Week Nine? Maybe Siri, you know, maybe Jalen Hurts plays okay. The coach, you know, may, who knows? You know, they might not be that two and fifteen team. They, you know, I'm just saying. People look at like, well, Denver. You know, when you try to project, if you went back to last year, and all of a sudden that goes down, well, it's you know, and, and there was other teams that lost quarterbacks and stuff. Uh, I I I just hate looking at the schedule. They're not good. Look, if the Eagles were like a, a team that we thought could could make a playoff run next year, or yeah, let's look at the schedule and see what it is. But they're not. Even in a best case scenario, they're going to win seven or eight games, probably. You know, if they really, if if next year, if Sirianni can coach a little and Jalen Hurts can play a little, maybe they can approach five hundred. But that's probably about the best they can do. Right. I mean, they can maybe split with the Giants. They can maybe split with the Redskins. Hell, for all I know, maybe they can split with Dallas. Maybe they go three and three in the division. I don't know. Um, there's like you said, there's probably three or four games on the schedule that they can't win. You just look at them and say, no, you can't win that game. Right. You know, but I, I just, you know, we don't know anything about this team yet. We don't know one thing. The co- the coach hasn't coached to get practice. The quarterback hasn't done anything out of practice. So I don't know. It's I, but but that won't stop people from doing this because that's what people do, and and you know they'll figure it all out, and it'll change fifty times before September the fifth or whatever. And then you know it's and God forbid if they if they beat Atlanta and beat San Francisco, Christ will have them in the Super Bowl. You know, but Andy Reid coming back that well, he's been back already though. He was back that one year when I was in Vegas, and they, yeah. and they, and the Chiefs. Beat him, I think. I'm yeah, sure they did. Beat him. Chip Kelly's year. It was Chip Kelly's uh, second year. Second year was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or, or no, it might have been Chip's first year. It was like game three of the season, game three or four, and the Chiefs won. The Eagles were. I think the Eagles were leading like ten nothing early, and I don't think they scored like the rest of the game. Almost. Whatever. Um. All right, so that is uh, the story for us. Uh, next week, Rhea Hughes will join us on Wednesday uh, as we just... Ask her, ask her who's going to take over for Angela. I'm sure that will get brought up at some point. Maybe it could be Rhea. Now, that would be interesting. That would be awesome. She'd be like the first woman, I'm guessing, maybe to have like that kind of um, a platform. Right. Um do you think, Kevin, if they kept the group together, okay, and I don't even know if the group wants to – I mean, Al, Al's getting up there too. I mean, I don't know what Al wants to do or whatever. But if they kept the group together without Angelo, because, you know, I mean, sometimes John Johnson fills in. Obviously, we're friends with John. Right. Um, do you think it could still work, or do you think they have to go out and get somebody and maybe do a complete 360? 
Uh, I think they would. You know, it's strange. And this is one thing with the spike situation. I'd be fascinated to see uh, what goes on from from here. Because, you know, I think we all had an idea that there was certain people who may have been in line to get it. Uh, mm-hmm. But now you're going to have a different PD coming in. And, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it'll be fascinating to see. Obviously, Angelo, I think, still has a year left or a year and a half left. So, um but there's a lot of look. There's a lot of good people at that stage, and, and Angelo could decide to stay longer. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Angelo. When we talked to him, he he's always said, "Well, what am I going to do yeah. if I'm not doing this?" Angelo enjoys it's like, doing it's like the, the show. Joe Paterno, Bear Bryant thing, right? Well, what, no, no, I, I, I would find a better saying. analogy, no, no, but no, yeah, but like I'm saying, what am I going to do? Like, right. you know, okay, I'm going to retire. You know, what do I do tomorrow? I don't fish. I don't golf. I don't. You know, apparently Angelo watches a lot of TV. That's what he's always saying. Um, does he still have the house at the shore? I believe he does. Uh, I tell you what, Kevin. House at the shore ain't a bad way to spend a summer. No. no, Or even a fall or a spring. Well, I mean, it, it's just going to be fascinating to see what happens. But, I mean, it, look, it's, you know, there there are worse situations uh, than you would have than than Angelo has. Let's put it that way. Well, well, think about that. I mean, you're talking about institutions all the time. You know, we got Murrow and we we can go down the list. But Angelo's way up there. I mean, whatever you think of Angelo or whatever you think of WIP or whatever you think of the way they do the show, he's an institution. Yes. There is no doubt about it. And the, the other station has spent years trying to figure out what to try to do to combat that. You know, tough. now they bring John in and, and, and maybe John will wind up being the king in the morning, uh, you, you know, um, whether Angelo stays or not. I mean, you, you know, maybe they overtake Angelo, um, but it, it will, it, you know, it, it'll be an, the end of an era for sure. Especially if, if, you know, if Rhea's not there anymore or, or Al's not there. I mean, I would think they try to keep Rhea. I would think so too. You know, um, but Al might just say, Hey, Angelo's leaving. I'm leaving. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know Al well enough to to ask him that or or whatever. Um, but they've had a great run. I mean, oh, it's unbelievable. You know, it's at some point it, it's like Eddie Bark used to say this all the time with Daily News Live when we were hitting the end, and he goes, "You know, we've been on longer than Mash." And I, I thought, well, Angelo's been on like triple Mash. Um, you know, TV shows that are on for fifteen years or, or like, you know, ten years. People, I mean, he's been on thirty. Right. Um, it's remarkable. It, it is absolutely remarkable, whatever you think of them or, you know, um, and I, I just don't, you know, it'll be really, really, really interesting to see which direction. Cause I know you had some thoughts yeah, and, and you're a little closer to that than I am, but those thoughts may be all out the window now. Yeah, they could be, it'll be interesting. It'll yeah, be, well, inter- it'll be inter- interesting. Things going to be who takes over spikes role. Yeah. And you know, it'll be, it- I hope it's you because if it's you, then I could probably get on the air. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd have me. You'd have me doing like the, the the two to three shift in the morning or something. No, you be you be you be the new big daddy. I don't know if I could handle that. That's 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 <laughs> that's a pretty big. Pretty, you know what I would love to be? I would love to be, and I was for a little while. Well, the best the best shift in my mind, the best shift is ten to two. Well, yeah. But but I think the, the best, like what I would love to do on there is just do the Glenn and Ray show. 
I think what they have, I agree, and I know it's a part time. I get it. They're, they're they're only you know they're on the weekend and 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 because they got other stuff going on and and that's probably what they want to do. Um, because Glenn's done the full time thing, you know, yeah. f- for years and years. But that is a really good show. It's really because you know I, I had to warm up to Glenn a little bit, but but okay, I have, and him and Ray work really well together, and Ray's the most listenable guy on there, I think. Uh, one of them certainly, and it just works. And it's like you know on the weekends. And, and I gotta be honest, I like Tyrone, and Tyrone does a show on Saturday. Saturday. It's kind of opposite them, and and then Satunas and and um um uh, what's what's our boy who's on with John? They do a show on Sunday, right? Um, uh, uh, Jamie Lynch. Jamie, Jamie, it's Jamie and, and Andrew, mm-hmm. and I like them too, but I almost can't tear myself away from Ray. Yeah, it's tough. I just, it's tough, and and you know, I don't know if they like working on the. I mean, obviously they must because they do, but to me, that's just a great. They have their little niche, mm-hmm. that three hour niche twice a week, you know, and then Ray will go on, you know, with Angelo and talk or something or whatever, and Glenn Glenn will fill in sometimes and and do some other things. But man, it, it, that that's just to me, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if, if they said to you and me tomorrow, hey, you guys can do that. That's going to be your little thing, man. I I where, where can I sign up for that? I would take. Oh. I would take any shift. I mean, well, that's, I, I used to like doing Big Daddies at overnight. I mean, it's that's a horrible shift. I don't care what anybody says. I've listened to Tom Kelly a few times because I, I was going when my wife had the hip surgery right. and I wasn't sleeping real well and I'd be up at night and stuff. I have the thing. Well, that's hard, man. It's tough. You basically, you talk to yourself. Nobody calls, and I know what John was saying about. They don't want it to be caller driven, and I get it. But he's got three other guys he can bounce stuff nah, off of. You're, you're, if you, if you're you bounce, if you're doing, <clears throat> if you're doing overnights, you're bouncing it off your producer, Mike Angelina. Kevin, who, if you and I, I know, but that gets old after a while. Yeah, if it you does. and I were on a three hour shift, because I used to do this all the time with um, um, with with different people. I mean, you know, Rob Cherry and me a lot, Don McKee. Okay, but if you're on with somebody, you can always say find something to talk about. Yep, might not make sense. But you can do it, and then. But when you're on at night at three in the morning, and nobody's calling, and you just got to keep talking, and, to, and and my heart goes out to those guys, and, yeah. and I think they do a really good job with it. But it's just hard, man. It's it, it's it's, it's, it it's just, you know, I don't know. That's me. I mean, you've done it, so you you would you would. Yeah, know and, and, and the one thing that was great about Big Daddy was Big Daddy brought in the different segments, and it basically changed the show up, and it wasn't just sitting. Over Big and Daddy, in his own way, was Angelo. Yeah, he owned that shift mm-hmm. in his own style, his own way. Um, and it was just, it was Big Daddy's three hours. Nobody's going to replace Big Daddy. No. It's just, you don't. Know, you do the best you can. Tom does a really good job. And sometimes John Johnson will be the guy. Uh, they, they put some different people on. Uh, I think Matt Mart- Martinez was on uh, a few. But you, but nobody's Big Daddy. It just, it, it just you know, it, it just isn't that. It's like, it's like, all, like one of my faves is Jody Mack. I yeah. love Jody Mack. When Jody Mack is gone for whenever – there's not going to be another Jody Mack. No. You know, he's he's that guy, and, and that's, God bless him. And, and that's why I said that. 10 to 2 is a sweet spot because you're you're com- you're getting everybody who comments on a, after a game at night. Oh, you mean 10 to 2 at night? Oh, yeah. 10 to 2, oh, I think no, 10 to two at I'm night saying. I think is uh, like prime. Yeah, you're right because you can talk about – you're right, Kevin. You yeah. got like the primetime stuff with that, and then at the end of the night you can do all the other side stuff. Hey, I got to ask you a dumb question. Have we had Jody Mack on? Yes, we have, we have twice. Him? I thought we did. 
But we should get him again. I like Jody. Now. Yeah, we'll get Jody on. We'll get yeah. Jody on. We'll get... I got like a list of 10 people I want to get on right now. They so. want... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They, they want to get on. No, I want to get on. That's different. Okay. I've got people who have committed to come on. That's fine. I just That's haven't worked out a time or a place. When somebody tells you they want to come on, I want to hear that. I want I want to know who that is. No, there is. are people who are saying, yeah, I'll gladly come on. Okay. Well, tell them to get us a sponsor. <laughs> They're not miracle workers, for God's sakes. You know? By the way, I should point out, in two of the last three weeks, we've had our highest rated shows. Well, when, when, we, when we get a paycheck, let me know. Okay. I, I mean, that's good news. I'm, it is. I'm, I'm, it is. You know, I mean, but uh, two of our th- last three weeks have been our highest paid shows, our highest okay. rated shows. Who did we? So who did we have on? Who were, who were the guests? Uh, well, Croce. Well, Croce, right? And who? And who was the other one? Actually, the other one, strangely, was after it was the week of the Masters. Okay, maybe I was they, just doing. Maybe I like my Masters picks. Oh, I did take Shawfly. He almost won. Yeah, I mean, you did. You know. Yeah. Hey. All right. Well, and then he, and then he hit the and then he hit the ball in the water on sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, so, so we're back next Wednesday. Hopefully, my power stays on for the entire show as opposed to this. Yeah. Week. Sorry to hear about that, man. That's we've where where I live because we live on that little. It's it's not a cul-de-sac, but it's like a four black hole. We've had times, Kevin, where the powers went out here. Nobody else in Northeast Philly. Yeah. And then when you call the power company, you'll say, yes, yeah, there's 700 families being affected. I'm like, yeah, I can see them all. Yeah. And sometimes just our block and then the other block, you look over and they don't have lights on. I've had half so, of my block. Yeah, I've had half my block go out. Yeah, that's weird, man. That's did they get they, But they did get it fixed, right? They got it fixed within a uh, half hour, yeah. There you go. That's all you can ask for. Yep. So, all right, Michael. Tell, tell them to take something off your bill next month. Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. All right, yeah. Mike. I'll talk okay, to you. Okay, babe. Be good. All right. Our thanks to John Kincaid for joining us. And our thanks to you for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. This has been Work of the Beat.